Welcome to Badgedamia, a podcast so educational two professors could be hosting it. Hi, I'm Dr. Danielle Dickenview, and joining me is Dr. Bill Pennyman. Welcome, everybody. I'm back. Uh, I was gone last week. I'm here now, uh, and we were going to talk about this week's Bachelorette episode on Bachadamia, and we have a very special guest. We have Nicole Schmidt, who is a graduate of UNI. She works at the United Way. Um, she graduated with a major in communication studies, a minor in sociology and industrial psychology, and a certificate in conflict resolution. So she got the full uh, university <laughs> bingo. She got like everything <laughs> you could. Um, she's getting married in April. And she thinks that's relevant to the conversation. Uh, and the thing I like most is that she sent how she met each of us. Um, so she met D3, Dr. Danielle, um, in her nonverbal communication class. In parentheses, she loved it. So have you filled out a rate my professor on her yet? Of course. <laughs> oh, nice. Did you give her the chili pepper? Oh, probably. <laughs> okay. Elaine has more chili peppers than me. And so it's like my goal in life to get like somehow like beat her out on that. But I'm getting older and less attractive. So it's like the window's <laughs> closing. Um, Danielle was pregnant when you had her. Uh, so every time you see pictures of her kids, you feel old. Mm-hmm. And then no, I'm... I was... Oh, go ahead. Was I pregnant? I was pregnant with my daughter, right? Yeah. So at least it's okay. not the oldest one because then I would be really old. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, no, I could, you know, she went from in your belly to walking and like seemed like six months. <laughs> it's gone fast. <laughs> and then I met you. Uh, I host the um, parent lunch for all new and um, transfer students, you and I, and you were the poor poor student that had to try to wrangle the five faculty that would show up. Um, and you were very good at it. One of the best. <laughs> so I always appreciated that because faculty do not like to be told what to do or wrangled. They're more like <laughs> cats than cows. So anything to add? That's about it. I'm really excited to be on and it's been fun to hear both of you speak at, you know, being away from you and I, and then actually Charday I had in class and um, Dr. Tom Hall too. So it was kind of fun to hear from all of you again. Wow. Yeah. It's like a, like a reunion for you. I know, except nobody can grade me this time. <laughs> oh, but you are such a wonderful student. There is. Thank you. Yeah. So no I, grading. I do still have nightmares that it is finals week and I like forget my final. I don't show up. I fail and I wake up and I always have this like where it's like <laughs> I never have to be graded again in my life. Um, so, yeah, college students listening, it does get better as far as grading goes. So. All right. Let's do it. Question of the day that we start. And now we are on our eighth episode. So we can say we do this every time. Every time we do this. Uh, If you couldn't do your job tomorrow. So they're just like, you can't do your job tomorrow. um, What career would you choose? And you got to think about like financially. So you can't be like, I'd be like a write poetry about dogs. Like it's got to be something that you could subsist on. I have two that I always answer when somebody asks me what my dream job is, because you have to be specific when you say dream job, because you did sort of cap it when you were like, oh, it has to be realistic. But I would really like to be a set designer for the Hallmark Channel. Um, Big Christmas fan. And also, I would also like to be a backup singer for Michael Buble, both of which I think I would have enough money, salary to make do. Are you a good singer? I am backup singer quality. Okay, okay. (laughs) That's admirable. Those are amazing. Yeah, those, I don't think I've ever heard those before. Probably can't see them in Cedar Falls, but. (laughs) You just got to have a chance running with Michael Buble. Yeah. Like like when you're doing karaoke and he's got to be like, next Christmas (laughs) when I come out of my cave. Well, like one, I think I would probably just do this podcast thing full time you know, <laughs> but, uh, if, if we have to be realistic about making money, then, um, I Good. way to throw them off the scent of all the millions we're making doing this. 
<laughs> you never guessed. Never <laughs> but yeah, so um, I think I would want to be some sort of a professional speaker um, oh. or do maybe consulting. I like solving problems or helping people like think through things and come up with ideas. So I don't know. Those aren't as exciting as yours, Nicole. What realm of public speaking? Like motivational? When I went to college, I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I can see that. I I think, you know, like I would take the like Brene Brown's gig, you know, teach like a class and like, but, you know, maybe not that that famous. I just want to be like, Iowa famous Renee Brown <laughs> level level <laughs> B celebrity. Absolutely, I, I want to personally apologize to Brene Brown for messing up that. Um, and as a olive branch, if she wants to confuse me, if I ever get to Brene Brown, which will never happen, status of fame, and she wants to like pay me back by confusing me with like Dr. Phil or something, do it, <laughs> and I won't be mad. I'm fine with that. Um, I think, so I always have two that I say, one is a plumber, um, but Scott Peters, the, uh, department head of poly sci was like any type of plumbing. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. Cause he was like, you know, you don't really want to go and mess around in people's poop. I was like, that's true. So he's like, maybe you should do plumbing, like in new housing where it's never been used, but I feel like that's a useful skill, like being able to plumb, you know? Do you have plumbing skills? Is that like no, what no, draws no, not you? at all. I like to work with my hands. Like okay. I, I would go to school and learn how to be a plumber. Like I would go back and I like to learn things and I feel like it's a useful skill or, and this is my obsession and Danielle can back me up because we text each other a lot. I love below deck and I would become one of the, the deck hands on below deck. I think 22 year old Bill would kill at that. Like, <laughs> little sleep drinking red bulls sleeping with random people i would just i would really lean into the whole the whole yachty experience so there we go oh, life yeah one word what one word sums up the episode oh i need to think of these things ahead of time um i did do you want me what to go first yeah go smile I feel like there was just a lot of smiling, both genuine and very fake smiling. I just, when I watched it again this morning, there just seemed like, and Bennett is like the, the prototypical, like that big, like grin with his huge white teeth. And like, you don't know if he's sincere or he's plotting your, cause he looks like a villain. I feel like my word is really obvious, but I immediately thought of vulnerable because um, Zach C's date and then the whole group date, like that was the focus was being vulnerable. Mm. And I think it's fresh for the show and I really loved it. Kind of along those lines, I think mine would be disclosure. Mm-hmm. That we heard a lot more stories from a lot of the, the men. And so I think disclosure would be my word. I like disclosure. That's a good one. Both of those were better than mine. I was, yeah. Smile. All right. So we roll right in. First thing we get slapped with Chris Harrison, not being there. We are in uncharted territory. I can never think of a time where he was not on there. He was taking his son to college. And so Jojo is going to be the host. Um, And she is engaged to, uh, I have it up here. Gordon. Jordan uh, Rogers. I didn't want to just say Aaron Rogers' brother, although they looked alike. Um, and any thoughts about this? I thought the guys were looking at her like they were real thirsty. Like uh, me too. It. Yeah, they were like he's pretty. Yeah, um, I like JoJo. I actually think I started watching this show again around the time that her season aired, and because there was. There was a really wild guy on that season. Um, I really like JoJo a lot, but I was surprised that she was the choice to bring in for Chris Harrison. Who would have you picked? Well, you'd expect like Wells. 
Right. Oh, right. You know, like I would expect Wells to maybe come in and step in for him. Plus but he's uh, already been quarantined because he was at the dodgeball one, which I guess is quite a ways, you know, before, but. Honestly, I don't think they're quarantining people at this point. I think they're just like bringing, like they've given up <laughs> like our president. They're just like, whatever. <laughs> like they're just, it, I, I would like to see what their protocol is because it does not seem to, to jive with the CDC. I thought that I'd read somewhere that they were quarantining, but just for like six days. Oh, so I don't know where they, where six days comes from. <laughs> they just kept asking doctors until they found one that was like six days, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Nicole, do you have someone you would prefer to have well, been the host? You know, I was, and I had heard already that Chris Harrison did take his kid to college, but still when they like came on and said he was leaving, I like panicked, but um I, you had said Demi earlier yeah. and I was like, oh, what a fantastic, like obvious choice. Plus she knows Tasia from Paradise, the mm. last season of Paradise. They were both on together. So and she's hilarious. There's an alternate universe where her and I met in college and we are like best friends, <laughs> like totally platonic, but like, I feel like her and I would be, would get along really well. Like just both our outlooks on life and yeah so okay oh go ahead i'd be trouble with demi i'm like a i'm like such a yes person you know oh i got this wild idea you all want to do that oh sure let's go for it she could talk me into anything i think i she seems to have my quality of feeling like she needs to balance the justice in the universe which i've been accused of like when i see something going wrong like I intercede, but also if it went wrong like a year ago, I still feel emboldened to somehow balance out the scales, which is not a good quality, but I like it when I see it in other people, probably because it makes me feel good about my <laughs> deficiency. <laughs> All right. So then we hit up Zach's one-on-one -on -one date, uh, Zach C. Um, so Tasha seemed really uncomfortable with the photo shoot. Um, any thoughts on that? One person in our watching pod was like, she had to know what the date was. Like, how did this just like blindside her? Well, and she did, she did indicate that there was something that she said that made me think that she knew that this was going to be the date. And she thought it was just going to be fun, dress up and, and that would be a good time. And then I think she was there and was like, oh, this is real. And it was the first time because I feel like Tasha is very emotionally mature and things like that. But this was the first time that I was like, Ooh, maybe she's not ready, you know, for this. Mm -hmm. Um, if like putting on a wedding dress is, you know, sending her into a panic. I think she's super agreeable. And I think at times that probably puts her in situations where she doesn't want to be there. And it like gets to the point where all of a sudden she's like overwhelmed by it. Um, and it, I probably why they picked her as the bachelorette because she's obviously like a very nice person. And, but like, I felt like probably she was like, I don't know if I like this, it's going to be fun. And then like, she just got slapped by all the dresses and like, it got overwhelmed quick, which I think I kind of understand. Cause I'm like that. And so it's like, there's times I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I get there and I'm like, I don't want to do this. Why did I agree to it? Nicole, anything to add? Yeah, I was also kind of confused as because neither of them were into it. Like Zach also was pretty uncomfortable. His face just went like, we're doing what? If but you could see was... through the sweat. Yeah. That man, <laughs> as a sweater, I was, I felt for him because you could tell it was bad. It was very cool to see how Zach talked to her when he was aware that she was uncomfortable, though. He did really well with that because I there was nothing about Zach that really stood out to me before that. But and everybody else was saying how awesome he was. But I think after I saw him really be able to comfort her, I was pretty impressed. Nice. Uh, so 30 seconds, the photographer. What did you like about him? Because there was nothing you didn't like about him. I thought he was awesome. I mean, the ascot, the shorts, it's yep. just all Ascot, that was the name. I called it a neckerchief. But, <laughs> yeah. but he was also just like so like, like I think he was part of the reason that Taisha got so like 
into it because he was just like hyping him up so much. Like I, I want him to, I don't like having my picture taken and that date is like my nightmare, but if he followed me around, I might be a little bit like, if he was just, you look great. Like I got, I let's change. You're getting too, I, the camera's getting too hot. Maybe that's my motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. I can't do any photography, but maybe I could just be like Tasia's hype girl. You people could rent you and you just follow them around and be like, you're doing great. <laughs> I, would I would love like that. that. Yeah. I, I would rock that. So then they go through all their photo shoots, uh, which some of them were dresses people would wear. And some of them were like spacesuits. And all I could think is the last one he got shot in was like, it looked very hot. And I was like, this guy's already almost like dehydrated to death. And then you put him in like basically what I used to wear in wrestling to cut weight. And um, then they sit down and they start to have a talk and he unloads some heavy stuff. So I will do a brief synopsis for people who weren't paying attention. Don't have the time to watch it twice. Like we do. Um, He had a brain tumor. Then after he had the brain tumor removed, they gave him uh, painkillers and he said that that kind of introduced him to this kind of addiction um, with painkillers. Um, and then he got a DUI, which led to divorce. And then he, after he got divorced, he kind of went further down into a spiral until his dad caught him um, using a check of his and the teller, instead of calling the police, called the dad, the dad came, put him into rehab. And that's kind of when he stopped uh, when he, he started getting better, he started on recovery. Uh, thoughts about that? Red flags? We did do a poll and most of our polls get like 20 to 30. We had almost 100 people respond um, to, uh, is it okay to uh, break up with someone, dump somebody, um, cut off ties if they have an addiction? And I believe it was 64% said only if they refuse to get help um, about said, um, yes, 10 said no. And then there were some that said they didn't know, but the vast majority said only if they won't get help. So thoughts on that. I kind of went back and forth. I ended up clicking on, I think the one that got the most responses, um, you know, like, cause, but I, I thought about writing, not sure because on one hand, I think if you feel like a relationship is unsafe or unhealthy, you you don't need permission. Just get out. You know, you can leave a relationship if you need to. Um, but I also think that, you know, being in a long-term relationship, life gets, it's going to be tough, right? Like you're going to go through things. You're going to, you know, lose loved ones together. You're going to have health issues, probably um, deal with your partner's health issues. So like learning how to move through those challenges together is really, really important. Um, But I do think that you still have to have boundaries. Um, And so, yeah, I, I guess that's where I sit. What are you thinking, Nicole? I thought the same thing. You know, initially I was like, well, of course, you don't need to have, you know, you're justified in any reason that you feel like you need to really leave a relationship. And obviously this was very heavy stuff. And I thought about how young they both were at the time. And I could see your brand new husband who he said at the time, he was like, I was that age. That's just what I did. Um, Being stuck in that at that young age, I think would be very tough. So. Yeah, like you said, you know, if you have love for that person and they're going through something, of course you want to make it work. But, you know, if you feel unsafe or if that's not good for your well-being, yeah, who's to say you have to stay? So we kind of had a debate in the Hennebaugh COVID watching pod um, at my house where she said, oh, it's great that you've been married and you've been divorced because it lets you know how much work you need to put into a relationship. And one of the people there said, or it shows that you're not willing to do the work or you might have red flags. So I guess my question was some of this stuff, is it a red flag? Is it a good thing? I mean, I don't, from looking at the research, I kind of did a quick uh, research dive into this. You are more likely to get divorced if you've been divorced before. Um, 
but that's heavily tempered by a whole lot of things. Uh, religious people are much less likely to get divorced, but that doesn't mean that they're in happy marriages. So you take all of that research with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, I was wondering on everyone's opinion on, you know, what, what constitutes a red flag? What, what doesn't, does he have red flags? Does the drug use, even though he's, he's sober and he's now on an addictions treatment board. Um, I think a bigger red flag would be if he was saying, I am currently addicted to drugs and I am currently struggling with this. So I think it does show, and he's a little bit older. So I think that he's clearly had the time to work on that kind of thing and feels very responsible now. So I think if anything, I would consider it a yellow flag, but I don't think that Tasha saw it that way at all. I didn't know we could just add in colors of flags. This is well, green, yellow, Nicole's, red. Nicole's I mean. showing us some stuff today. You can just <laughs> a purple flag. It's, we don't know what it means, but <laughs> I would agree with you, Nicole. Um, I do. I thought it had been about ten years since he'd gone through that. So um, there's something. There's a lot that I like about Zach, but there is something though about him that I don't know. I just gives me a, not as a good of a feeling. Oh. And I can't figure out what it is though. I've been trying to, I've been trying to articulate it and I really can't cause there's, I can point to a lot of things that I thought that he did really well. So I don't know what that is um, for me that there's just like, or if it's just that I don't feel like he's a good fit for Tasha, maybe, I don't know. I don't, I get that feeling too. I, there's just something about him that I'm just not totally sold on, but I don't know what it is. And it's probably unfair on my end to judge somebody when I don't have a concrete example, but <laughs> so then they ride on a Ferris wheel. Uh, what do we all think about Ferris wheels? I'm a no. So like right before the Ferris wheel popped up, I had actually said to my roommate, I said, you know, with this being on La Quinta on the resort, it would significantly decrease the chances of me having to go oh. up high and then boom, Ferris wheel. And I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was some like traveling carny circus. Exactly. Are hey, your Ferris wheel real quick for the weekend? <laughs> I'm a hell yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually... Heights don't bother me. I hate roller coasters, mm -hmm. but I'm a yes person. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I go on roller coasters, even though I think I'm going to die the whole time. Um, so yeah, I'm all over the Ferris wheel. Let's do oh, it. I like roller coasters and like stuff like that. I just, the Ferris wheels, it's like, they don't go fast. Like they break half the time. Every time I've been on a Ferris wheel, it stops randomly. And then you're like, well, how long am I going to be up here? Like, at least if, you know, a roller coaster stops midway, you think like, well, maybe I might die from this. A roller coaster or a Ferris wheel, you're just stuck at the top. You're just sitting there. And people are always like, it's such a good view. It's like, well, it's probably like a 40 foot Ferris wheel. It's like, you could just get on top of your top floor. But they're at, like, what else do they have to do? That's, that is true. Bring, bring it on. <laughs> they were last week eating hot peppers as a way to like keep things interesting. So yeah, I guess at that point, the Ferris wheel is like such a high point of the, the season. <laughs> okay. So speaking of high points, we go on to the group date uh, where they have nude models. First question I have. Where did the nude models come from? Were they people that were just staying at the La Quinta and they're like, hey, you want to get naked for us? Was there a nude model convention? Where did they come from? Just I like hope they were staff. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they were a couple that were like on vacation. Like I love to imagine like I'm just like going about my vacation and someone's like, Hey, Danielle, Ryan, will you nude model for the bachelorette? And I'd be like, yeah, this is going to be a great story. <laughs> yeah. They like some producer walks up and is like, you two are acceptably attractive, like acceptably attractive. Like you want to, you want to just get naked? Let us like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I couldn't figure that one out. Um, so they draw them nude 
what do you guys think about them saying this really demonstrates uh, vulnerability? Like I, I don't know. I, I did think it was, I think it was less vulnerable only because Blake had reacted so strongly to the thought of having to be naked for a third time that I think all the guys were like, oh, thank God, we're not the naked ones. I can draw this just fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, no. <laughs> I did in college date a girl who was a medical illustration major and she had to go do nude model drawings. And I remember uh, her talking about it and how like the first time she went, she was like really kind of squeamish about it. And then like after that, it was like, like it's very non-sexual, like she's like, you're just drawing body parts. And I was kind of like, well, it kind of takes the vulnerability away from it. She also like sometimes would draw me while I was asleep. Like I'd wake <laughs> up and she'd be drawing me like, whoa. <laughs> and like vulnerability for who, right? Like, yeah. are you vulnerable because you're like, is the person doing the looking and drawing the vulnerable one or is the naked one the vulnerable one? Yeah, I, I didn't get it. But again, I think they're running out of things to do. <laughs> so then... They have them uh, blindfold and uh, do clay, um, clay sculptures. Any thoughts on those? I'll go first. Blake's penis made me laugh. Like I am, I am a third grader, a junior high boy in that respect. Like whenever someone does something like that, it makes me giggle. Um, that was the only thing I really took away from that. And it must have been so good that they had to put a black box over it. Like, that was my first thought. I was like, how well did he craft this out of clay? That's a good point, because if I made one, they'd be like, what is that? Like, <laughs> an obelisk? Like <laughs> Bennett's, Bennett's comment about calling it 50 Shades of Clay cracked me up. Um, I have this... I have this theory, though, that Blake is not into this mm -hmm. oh I no think, yeah i think blake was super into claire and i think that now he's not he's not feeling it with tasia the same way and i think he's like i'm gonna make a penis out of clay now <laughs> yeah making making a penis out of clay is not the um it's probably not gonna get you a lot of interest from unless they are like the person like me who finds it hilarious like if if i ever have to go on another date in my life which probably won't happen but if we go sculpting and you make a penis you're probably actually <laughs> going to win my respect like i'm probably gonna but i know most people wouldn't find that funny so anything else to add i thought bennett's whole this house we have here and this house we have here and this house we have here i thought that was just kind of a bratty little flex. Oh, I got today. opinions on that. We'll yeah, get to we'll this, we'll get to this later. later in the uh, <laughs> later in the podcast. But yeah, I thought that was just ramping up the douche level. Mm -hmm. So now we go to the self portraits, which I thought did show a lot of vulnerability. So yeah. I feel like we could have like not done the first two and just did them, but maybe they were warm ups. Uh, so first off, Riley. Um, who drew the picture. What all did he draw? I'm blanking on it now. It wasn't it just sort of like a sky with clouds and it was sort of supposed to represent daydreaming, I think. Yes. And his mom said something to him about what keeps you motivated. He said something about uh, spending time with his daughter, which through our conversations um, before this. So does he have a daughter? I couldn't find anything online. You said you thought it was metaphorical. I think it was metaphorical because I think he was talking about his mom was like, why would you think about spending time with your wife and your child in the future? And then his point was that like, he didn't have that quality time when he was a child. So I think it's like aspirational for what he wants for his future family. The student becomes the teacher. She just learned me something there. Wow. I took a lot of notes on this episode. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I feel like I've just been professored by a student. That <laughs> That's great. Danielle, you got, is it, is it time? You, we can do it now. Sure. It's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, finger guns. 
finger guns. Okay, so extra credit. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the difference between rapport style communication and report style communication. Um, so one of my favorite moments, and we are getting a little ahead, but after the end of the segment, I think it was Brendan who there is this moment where he, I think, looked at Riley or and thanked Riley for his emotional vulnerability during this segment. And it was a really kind of lovely moment. Um, so it made me think about this rapport versus report style communication. So um, rapport talk is typically associated with the feminine and it is talk that is empathetic and sees talk as a primary way of building and maintaining relationships where report style um, communication is more masculine. It's task oriented. It typically avoids personal disclosure and vulnerability. Um, and I guess a little side note here, because we, you know, your word, Nicole, was vulnerability. Um, we've given lots of shout outs to Brene Brown. Um, she talks about vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, um, emotional exposure. You can't really control the outcome. Um, vulnerability and intimacy are often connected. So the more vulnerable you're willing to be with someone, the more intimate your connection is. Um, but, and then, so they did a lot of storytelling and there's also different ways that people tell stories depending on if they have this more feminine rapport style talk or a more masculine report style talk. So storytelling typically in a more feminine style is more collaborative. It might be simultaneous. So um, interruption in that case is seen as more of like an excitement or that we're telling a story together. Um, I come from a family of, I have all sisters. And when we get together, we're just constantly talking over each other. Like Ryan is like, how are you all listening? And I'm like, we're listening and talking at the same time. Get it together. <laughs> you know? um, it's really invitational. So I share something. I'm inviting you to reciprocate by sharing something. You, The topics might include feelings. We're like um, report style storytelling. Typically it's more monologue. So it's like one person will tell a story and then another person will tell their story rather than it being kind of this collaborative thing the stories are oftentimes more chronological and the topics are less personal or they might stress, tell stories that stress their own achievements. So um, it's interesting because you saw them both break these stereotypes. So typically masculine is associated with males. Doesn't that sex and gender, they're different things, but um, you did see the guys they do typically have monologues. Their stories are typically a little bit more chronological or linear, but they were a lot more vulnerable. They were engaging in topics that were personal. Um, and I think we're much more invitational of having, you know, asking other people to share their stories too. So I thought that it was a really interesting way in which you saw them sort of breaking the stereotypes, but while also maintaining aspects of those things. So that's my extra credit. That was a good one. Nice. Uh, so other people, uh, Ben, who talked a little bit about, um, he was overweight and then he uh, had an eating disorder and his sister helped him out. Um, and Danielle, you had something you're really bringing today. You had something else to share about this, right? Yeah. Um, here. I'll... Yeah. So one thing that's really interesting is they have done some studies around um, men and body image and uh Give me one second. Um, yeah, so they've done some research around men and body image and um, men are expected oftentimes to be big and muscular, but they aren't supposed to have body fat, which is really actually quite hard to do to be big and to still be lean. Um, and 
what we see is that negative body image is affecting men in increasing numbers. So one study actually found that the percentage of men dissatisfied with their overall appearance has tripled in 25 years. Um, you have a lot more issues with muscle dysphoria, which is the idea that you're kind of obsessed with keeping that big lean body. Um, and I kind of wrote here a fun fact that GI Joe action figures, figures in 1960, they were 5'10 with, well, they would have if you'd account, like if you'd blow them up to like realize. when they talk about like how Barbie wouldn't be in any way realistic. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so like a human version of GI Joe. In the yes. 90s. So if you, yes, exactly. <laughs> so if you would have created a human version of GI Joe in the 1960s, he would have been 510 with 12 inch biceps and a chest of 44 inches, which is already pretty big. But now um, I guess the last time that I was able to find stuff on in 2011, GI Joe would have still been 5'10", but he would have had 27 inch biceps and a 55 inch, sorry, chest, which is the wild. Cause I want to say like Paul Kogan had like 25 inch biceps or something like 25 that. 25 or 26, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's Although he called them pythons. So like <laughs> But yeah, so that's just some fun info. It is. So other guys kind of said some stuff um, and they all disclosed there was, you, uh, Nicole, you said Ivan and his puzzle piece? Yes, I thought Ivan's was aesthetically pleasing and also a good story behind it. He had those, it was like four puzzle pieces and then the middle section was that wife he was missing um, as part of the family. So Tasia went and put that in. So I was extremely impressed with almost all the guys work it was very nice i thought some of them did a very good job of including her so they told the story mm -hmm. but they also we've talked about it in previous episodes the growth beliefs where they said you know i need you in my life and we'll build this life together this will you know we'll be able to move forward which i thought was a, a good piece so i think brendan did that and then uh ivan did it so then Which are my two favorites, so they're <laughs> holding favorite? their ends. <laughs> they're your favorites? Yeah. Oh. I don't know about my favorites for Tasia, but okay. my favorites oh, for your me favorite. in the alternate universe. <laughs> the wedding doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, come back to this and you can see if you were on her list. Um, so Taisha, uh, she seemed overwhelmed um, at the end. She She started crying. Any thoughts on that? I thought it was interesting. She walked off to cry um, because she wanted them to be vulnerable. But I kind of felt like, and and I understand that in the moment, you know, you you do what you, you you're used to. But I felt like that would have been a good moment for her to be vulnerable um, with them. Um, I don't know where it fell. Danielle, you're like you're giving me like the like you're not sure eyes. You can disagree. Let's disagree. Let's. No, no. I just I thought that it was. You know, at first I was like, was she that uncomfortable with Ben, like getting yeah. naked? Uh, and, you know, cause I then started to sort of think about, cause I do think that now you, when you think about that moment, you think about that within the context of knowing that he had bulimia, but at the time when we were watching that, we didn't, we hadn't heard that story yet. Right. And the men have gotten kind of naked before, but there was sort of like, I kept thinking like, is this like a consent issue too? Like that he's just like, bam, you know, like, I don't know. And so I didn't know if that was part of what she was uncomfortable with, but then, you know, she ends up giving him the rose and it seems like she was impressed, you know, like was really impressed sort of by that vulnerable act um, so I think that what, I, how I interpreted when it was happening versus how maybe I interpreted it after I'd seen everything, it shifted for me. I was thinking the exact same thing because when I saw him come out with the robe on, I was upset. I was like, I don't think, like you said, there's been a precedence. The men have been naked on the show before, but 
without her permission at all, it, it made me uncomfortable. So I thought right when she left, I thought the same thing. Um, but yeah, then, you know, I think if he'd maybe explained that story, then it would have been a very vulnerable, powerful moment for him. But he must not have felt comfortable expressing that to all the other men. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. See, I didn't, I didn't think about that. So I'm, I'm processing it now. <laughs> on to easy. Uh, so easy gets a one-on-one. -on -one, um, and I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm kind of a paranormal enthusiast. Um, I love horror movies. Um, it was very clear that this was all made up. The whole William Morgan thing was written by a producer five minutes before this started, especially when they talked about his poor wife's grave being underneath the freaking tennis court. Like, like, why would you like, I would be like, oh, I'm not walking on the tennis court. Now I'm walking like this is desecrating someone's grave. Um, thoughts on the scary day. There is some research, uh, before we, we get to that around when you have dates that increase your heart rate or make you feel frightened or excited, you tend to attribute those things to the person you're on the date with, even if you're not really feeling it with them. So I thought while that was all going on, like, oh, easy's going to get a rose for sure. Like they're having fun. They're getting scared. That's one of my gripes about The Bachelor and Bachelorette is they do all these like helicopter rides and skydiver, you know, bungee jumping, things like that. And it creates this false sense of arousal around a person. Um, but that didn't happen. So. I thought it was fun. Actually, me and my fiance, our first date back in high school was to a haunted house. And the Ooh. second date was actually a scary movie because we started dating in, in October. And so I thought that was that was kind of fun. The whole time I was getting more like they were doing this as best friends vibes. Oh. Like they were having a lot of fun together, but I was seeing more of like a, we love hanging out vibe, not necessarily any relational sexual chemistry happening between them, but it was a cute date, but I kind of saw it coming. <laughs> what was the movie you saw? Oh, we borrowed like one of the paranormal activity movies and watched it with some friends. It was commendable. So I, yeah, I'm into the ghost hunting shows now, but definitely over the haunted houses and, you know, any blood gore. <laughs> they run the travel channel. If you're looking for someone to sponsor, um, they run the ghost adventures on travel channel 24 seven and maybe one of my other jobs, like, I don't know how you become like a paranormal expert, but they always look like they've led some hard lives and they probably didn't go to an incredible and an, an accredited university to get their degree in paranormal expertise. Danielle, what do you have to add about the scary date? I loved it. I like, um, one of my favorite things when we travel is we'll mm -hmm. go on ghost tours mm -hmm. in different cities. Um, I just <laughs> like, I could be a ghost tour. That would be fun. I would, I would take a tour guide and yeah. Um, and then when we lived in Louisiana, um, I was ask, there was, like, yeah, yeah really big down there, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, one of my classes, we actually, you know, studied haunting as like a philosophical sort of idea. Um, and, and, uh, spent some time at some pretty, you know, famous, um, haunted houses. And so it was, it was, uh, it's something I just really enjoy. I enjoy the storytelling aspect of it. I like being scared. Um, but I did think that this date had like a different vibe, I guess, than a lot of the other one-on-ones seemed to be I felt like a little more focused so that there would be more disclosure and talking. And this one, um, the second part of the evening date um, could have made room for that, but it, it did it feel shut, like it, had it got shut down pretty quick. Like she sent him home. I it felt like he was like, I'm falling in love with you. And she was like, Skirt. I, don't <laughs> I don't, I didn't see it coming. Obviously you two did. And that's probably, you're probably much more perceptive than I was. I was like, this is going great, easy. Um, so <laughs> anything to add about him going home? Anything with the conversation that you 
No. I also to some credit at the beginning when they teased the entire episode, they played a clip of her saying, I can't give you this rose, which uh, I know only happens on one-on-ones. So as soon as Zach got his one-on-one rose, I was like, oh, here it is. So it was a little a, bit of, I've seen too many episodes. You're a joy. But <laughs> oh man, I purposely like am uninformed about stuff like this. So I can just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should note that uh, Easy has... There, there was somebody online who accused Easy of uh, sexual assault, um, and several places have reported on it. And so, um, there has been, to my knowledge, I, I should, I feel like I should make a statement about this. To my knowledge, there's been no formal complaint uh, filed with the police, um, and ABC did an investigation. And they did not find conclusive evidence either way. Um, and so I know a lot of people were angry about why Easy wasn't immediately taken off the show. Um, and obviously, I, I think, not obviously, I think Taisha, I don't know if she was informed. I think she should have been by the producers. Um, and obviously, if anybody makes a claim about sexual assault, it should be taken seriously. And so I wonder if the show did that, you know, them saying that they couldn't find conclusive evidence means that they couldn't tell if it happened or it didn't. And um, yeah, so I don't want people to think we're, we're skirting that issue. Like that's a very important issue, especially in dating and relationships. Wasn't um, the accusation wasn't from the person that was sexually assaulted though, was it? Wasn't I, it like the like a person like tweeted that one of their friends was assaulted by? My understanding was it was the person, the okay. person tweeted it, but then they took it down on advice from their lawyers. Um, but then reality, Steve, so we're getting really into the weeds here on who our primary sources are, said that he talked to that person and felt like it was credible, but the ABC didn't, so interesting yeah. um so then uh bennett and noah the last the last kind of scene of the uh thing uh of the show get on there and so here it comes here's my extra credit so i want to talk about mate poaching which is one of the subjects that i think is really interesting so mate poaching is anytime you attempt to take somebody um, take a mate that is already paired with someone. So it doesn't have a direct correlation to the bachelor or bachelorette because you are on dates with all these people, but it's also kind of viewed like you're dating all these people. And so there's no research out there about what is okay and what's not on the bachelorette. So this was the best kind of corollary I could find. So I thought I'd go through some statistics about mate poaching. So the first thing is, 99% of college students say that they would like to find a monogamous, monogamous relationship with somebody. So if you're wondering, most people out there say they would like to settle down and have a monogamous relationship with somebody. Um, as far as poaching goes, stealing a mate, about 54% of men and 34% of women have attempted it. And four out of five times they're successful with it. So trying to steal someone's mate. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty high. Um, 70% of people say that they have been poached. They've been a poachee. Someone's tried to poach them from the mate. So it's actually, you're reporting that it happens more to you than people say they actually do it, which means there's some type of disconnect. Um, about 60% of women, 50% of men have been poached. So somebody came to them while they were with somebody and they said, yeah, I'll go with you. Um, so then the next question is, um, what type of people do that? Well, it's interesting. People who are highly extroverted, people who are low on agreeableness, and people who are low on conscientiousness tend to uh, be people who poach. They also have the what we call the dark triad of personality traits. They're callous, manipulative, and they don't want intimacy with others when you have them take a personality test. So, so far, people who go out and poach mates are not real good people. Um People tend to do it because it facilitates their ego. So when you ask people, why do you do it? One of the reasons they say they do it is because it makes them feel good about themselves. Um, people who are, ex who are successful when they poach mates, they tend to be very high in attractiveness. 
So the more attractive you are, the more likely you are to steal someone else's mate. Now, when we talk about attractiveness, there are a few things that are very useful if you're going to try to poach your mate. I feel like I'm giving directions. Like tonight, if you're going to the bar and you're going to poach your mate, here's what you need to do. Um, women tend to advertise good looks and access to sex when they try to poach mates. Men tend to um, promote their power and their access to desirable resources. And so one of the reasons I brought this up and thought this was useful was we go back to Bennett. And when Bennett was doing his uh, little architecture things, he was like, and this is our chateau. And he also, when he is talking to Noah, he's clearly basically telling him, you're inept. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a little boy. I have all these resources and you don't. Um, also, poachees, what we find is that people who get poached tend to put out signals that they are interested in getting poached. So if you are somebody who is worried about your mate, know that it is not a one-way street. A lot of times people see somebody and they are like, hmm, they seem like they are not happy in their relationship. How do you know that they are? It's because uh, women tend to present access to sex. They also tend to play up their beauty and complain about their partners. Men who want to be poached um, uh, often compliment and give gifts um, to the person that they're hoping will poach them. So best way to make sure that you don't get your mate poached. So I'm, I'm going on the total other way. Uh, make sure that they have things that you uh, don't... It, Make sure that they are happy, essentially. So listen to them, the things they want. Um, uh, make sure that they have them. You're listening to them. You're doing all those things. If you can't do that, where people start to get issues is the other side of this, which we call mate guarding. So that is attempting to stop people from poaching your mate. And the things that tend to be not successful in this is you regulate your access the mate's access to potential mates. So things like um, monopolizing their time, not letting them be around, dropping in um, unexpectedly, we call that surveillance. So stalking them on Facebook. So the final thing is, does poaching work? And the answer is not particularly. What we find is that people who poach end up with people who wanted to be poached and that results in distrust in the relationship. And a lot of times they end up not being happy because they're concerned that that person may go and find somebody else. So that is, that is my extra credit. I feel like Bennett and Noah are kind of going through this little thing where they are trying to degrade each other and demonstrate that they are a far better mate to Taisha. Yay. That was good, Bill. Thank you. Um, so interesting. Yeah. So is anyone really winning? She called it a 14-year-old fight. Do you see, is anyone really killing it with this? Is, is anybody like, do you see her like running away with either of these two guys? No? Nope. Bye-bye. Do you think Bennett's gifts show any type of emotional intelligence? I thought that was interesting. He's lecturing him about how to be emotionally intelligent. And what I found from research is that people who are emotionally intelligent tend to be better at work. They tend to have better relationships. They tend to be better communicators. I feel like none of those things are what Bennett is. Oh man, it was, it was painful. Cause I, you know, they did the thing where when he's packing the gift, you're like, Oh, what's he going to give to Tasia? And as he takes each of these out, they get meaner and meaner. And I was, you know, ben, I've been on a ride with Bennett. When he got out of the limo, everybody was like, oh, he's that guy. And then he did the few cute, you know, background things and everybody kind of started to like him. But he is a bully in this. Yeah. And I know Noah is goofy and sometimes an instigator. But the look in his eyes, I think that he actually felt attacked and very upset about Bennett picking on him through all of this. And I know, Bill, you had mentioned his little, can you spell privilege comment? <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking about myself and if somebody was unpacking gifts and insulting me like that, if that's the only thing that Noah had said, he really kept a lid on it pretty well. I was impressed. So I thought that was actually showing some emotional intelligence to not be exploding at Bennett, I would have hit him. <laughs> yeah, Bennett, Bennett is definitely poking him. Like, I mean, he's, he's really, yeah. Well, and at one point I think Noah said like, I can only take, you know, like I can only take so much. And I thought that I'm not a huge Noah fan, 
But I got to say, I do think that he is sort of navigating this. Yeah. Yeah. The best he can. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because Bennett keeps saying about how young he is and immature. And it's like, he's really doing a pretty good job. I think when I was 25, I probably would have ended up in the person, you know, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So predictions on how it ends. Who's she going to send home? One, both. I mean, if one of them stays, it has to be Noah because the way that she said, what's in the box, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I like cannot stop thinking about it. I know it's only going to be probably like 10 minutes of next week's episode, but I am really excited to see because Bennett is admitting to everything that he has said. And I don't think it's coming off the way that he thinks it is. (laughs) If the listeners haven't seen the movie seven, like it just watch that end part where brad pitt's like i think it's brad pitt is it brad pitt and then and he's like, what's in the box what's in-? that's all i could think of when it happened that's awesome i won't yeah that. i i don't i think i could see them both going home that's what i was thinking she's gonna she's gonna send them both packing and they're gonna get back up to speed with how many guys should be there uh so easy got sent home uh, my friend who was watching with me right when they said it, she's like, well, easy come, easy go, which <laughs> I thought was hilarious. Um, any favorite memes or tweets we haven't mentioned? Uh, my absolute favorite one, and it's something that's been bothering me for a few weeks now. And so I'm glad that somebody was able to like concisely put it into a meme. It's a picture of Ben next to uh, the guy from that one detergent commercial with the U-neck. And it yes. says, Ben looks amazingly comfortable <laughs> because I don't know where he's finding these scoop neck shirts, but he really likes to show off that collarbone. <laughs> That's great. I thought that one was good. I saw a lot of the people were referencing seven. So I thought that was pretty funny about the what's in the box. I also saw um, Bennett where he made Noah get up and like, He's like, this is my seat. Like a lot of like memes and things about like school lunchroom where he's like, get out of my seat, turd. Or like you like when you make your little brother get out of your seat. And it's like, that's exactly what it was like. It's like, no, my seat. That's great. My meme game was off this week. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't peruse the memes with the same vigilance as I usually do. That's okay. We, we have our weeks where we're really on it and we have our weeks where we're not. So, uh, end of the episode, one sentence. I'll go first. Do you want me to? This is where we folly. I thought that was one of the funny, (laughs) Bennett, this is where we folly. (laughs) 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 I think I'm going to go with people aren't always as they seem. You know, I think that my opinions of a lot of people are starting to shift. So, I don't know how I feel about Ben. Um, I liked Ben a little bit more before. And now I think he just, I don't know. I'm worried about Ben. (laughs) I think, you know, yeah. I think that my, how I'm seeing people is shifting right now. Mm -hmm. I should have gone before Danielle because I had, uh, there's always more to people than you expect. Um, Yeah, I know. But I was thinking about, yeah, how much they had disclosed to Tasha and, stuff you would have never expected them to have experienced or admit to her. So that was, I really enjoyed the episode. This is like the second time you've agreed with Danielle. I feel like Danielle, you have to be very like Yoda, like, (laughs) like I've trained her so well as a former (laughs) student, like, uh, (laughs) are going to start doing memes with like you where like nothing more you have to learn with like the Yoda thing. And that'll get real like, like memes when we're talking about memes when we're talking oh man it's like the like inception that's all i got for this episode nicole you get to have the last word as the guest nothing much more i'm happy to be on i do want to shout out my uh, roommate anna who i uh watch all the episodes with so she was uh making sure that my hot takes were not too hot so they were just the right temperature anna That's a great tagline. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. Everyone have a good weekend. It's good to see you. you Glad too. to be back. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Good seeing you, Nicole. You too.
You've been listening to Batchadamia with your hosts, Doctors Daniel Dick McGue and Bill Henniger. All opinions expressed on this show are solely the opinion of the person who spoke them. If you like our podcast, please consider following us, leaving us a five-star rating, and a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your friends, family, and other ardent Bachelor content lovers. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at batchadamia at gmail.com or on the Twitter with the handle at Thanks for listening. 